Chronic diseases have quadrupled amongst children since 1960s. In 1994, one in every eight children had a chronic health condition. And now it's 54% of American children are diagnosed with chronic health conditions. And these numbers are continuing to rise at an alarming rate where they're saying by 80% of American children specifically will have a diagnosed chronic health condition by 2025. Now that's craziness. This is the first generation of kids that is suspected not to outlive their parents. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to episode 263 of the Anthropology Podcast. I am your host. I was going to say Dr. Megan Walker. Well, kind of Dr. Megan Walker inactive. There's so many things I have to put behind my name now that I'm not practicing, but nonetheless, I am here and I am hosting and I am delighted to be leaning into an incredible conversation with one of the leading authorities in children's health, Dr. Medea Saeed. And in our conversation today, we really go deep on the science behind how our decisions as parents and the choices we provide for our kids are influencing the brains and bodies of our children, how this generation of kids is predicted to have a shorter health span and lifespan than we are? And what are the empowering tools that we can put into place today to give children back their health? It was an amazing conversation. Dr. Saeed has an energy that like, as soon as you hear her speak, you're going to have to turn down your volume. She has uh, so much to say with such authority, with such a background in compelling and interesting science parents out there, caregivers out there, you are not going to want to miss this. It is my honor and pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Medea Saeed. Dr. Medea Saeed, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so incredibly honored. Yay! Let's do I was going to say welcome back. The funny backstory here for everyone who's listening is we attempted to record this episode last week and we were joking that the internet gods were like, it cannot happen. I rarely have sound issues, but like they were just flying out the wazoo. So we packed it in, we rescheduled and we are back at it again. And I'm here to party. We are here to party. I'm really just so delighted to have you back, but to have you here and, and for us to carry on this conversation that we honestly started last week, but we're going to jump into now. And it's really this idea of empowering families with respect to the health of their children and empowering families. We were talking about this sort of behind the scenes several times over the course of the last week that there is this, there is an outsourcing of health that happens with ourselves and with our families. And there is a really unique opportunity right now while we are all very keenly aware of the value of our health to actually resource families and parents and caregivers 
with frameworks and ways of thinking about their health and their children's health. And really, I'm going to just keep going here. I promise we'll get to a question at some point. Really, what it comes down to is, it's not just how do we keep you from getting sick, but how do we optimize what's going on in your health? And I know one of the things that you're just so excited to talk about is children's brains. How do we, through living this holistic lifestyle, which will you know prevent, prevent illness and all of these other pieces, but actually how do we optimize what's happening in children's brains? So now that I've laid this huge foundation as to where we are going to go over the next little bit, I'm wondering, Medea, can you share with people your journey. You are a physician, you are a pediatrician, you are a massive advocate in the children's health space, you are an author, and you have so much experience, but real life lived experience. And your journey is amazing. I'd love for you to share that with everyone. Thank you so much. So my journey started, you know, years, 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 years ago, (laughs) because I lived all the same you know, sort of lives that unfortunately the children of today are living probably at that time, there was less knowledge about the food and what we were putting in our bodies. But unfortunately, I guess the kids are living in that type of realm again today. But what's crazy is that I continued on that hamster wheel, right? And I didn't really stop to think about what was going on until I got sick. But that continued all throughout residency, even where I was a new mom, a new wife, a new resident, all at the same time. So me and my husband were both working 80 hour work weeks. And now I wasn't sleeping and I'm in a new marriage. Um, and we were way past the honeymoon phase. <laughs> so like, it was way, it was craziness to say the least. And, you know, all of my symptoms really came to a head with not sleeping well, the you know increased stress, the toxicity around me, the toxins in my environment, and the bad food because we got free food in our cafeteria. I had digestive issues and severe digestive issues. Literally, I was putting steroid suppositories up there like for an entire year and a half, and then shingles. We ha- I had acne, eczema, seborrheic dermatitis. Pyrosia, like the, all of these weird autoimmune type of issues. Then it was Hashimoto's and then even lupus. But again, just trying to keep my headache above water. And because I had never really learned any different, I just kept on going on this hamster wheel until one day that hamster wheel came to an abrupt stop. That happened when my husband had this gut inclination. Can you go check up on our 10 month old in daycare? Which was very blessed that it was attached to the hospital. So I walked down over there and I walked into every mother's worst nightmare. The lights were dim. The daycare provider was rocking back and forth, back and forth in her chair. You know, the eerie silence was broken by my child's in the back. When I went back there, my beautiful gift from the universe, gift from God was strapped down in her bouncer seat, arms and legs tied down. The receiving blanket, his pacifier was in his mouth. His eyes were bloodshot. His face was swollen. I immediately picked him up and ran out. And on that day, I said, oh my gosh, God, you saved my child. On that day, I made this solemn promise that I promise I'm going to take care of these kids the best that I know how, but then I had to take a step back. I had to take a step back and ask, wait, how am I supposed to take care of these kids the best that I know how if I myself as a family physician are completely falling apart? I mean, we're supposed to be the people that you come for to help prevent these chronic conditions and you know help manage health. But guess what? I didn't even know how to take care of myself. From not falling apart, and even when I'm falling apart, I don't even know how to put myself back together again, let alone trying to take care of this child. So 
I then dove into this science and trying to figure out, you know, what can I do to help improve my overall health and well-being? But unfortunately, I was just told that, you know, I have let this disease take its course. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm not going to let this disease take its course. Or they offered me medications that the literally side effects are death. And I'm like, that's what I'm trying to prevent. So it didn't make any sense whatsoever to me. So until I joined this medical practice where under one roof, there was me, an OBGYN, an internist, an exercise physiologist, nutritious counseling, chiropractor, massage therapy, you know, all brought together for the complete healing of the whole person. And then I'm like, wait, what's going on here? This is craziness. And now they never told me to look at the whole picture. (laughs) It's so like taboo. What's going on? But when I did that, oh my gosh, my first patient was like 31 year old with nine autoimmune diseases, all gone in like within months. And what was crazy was that she was a she worked at the family dollar store and the gas station. So she, it's not like she had a lot of money. So anybody can implement these things. So as I was learning, I was implementing with my children and I, and with my patients. And that's where Holistic Mom MD came about. So really trying to, you know, take everybody on this journey with me. And if I can do, because currently I feed a family of nine, you know, my, as my brother also lives with me and then we have my in-laws and my four children. And just bring them all, bring husband. them all in. Just yeah. bring them all. Yeah. But that's why if I can do this, anybody can. And unfortunately, the current statistics with our children, our kids are getting sicker and sicker. Their brains are getting sicker and sicker. So we need to bring this now more than ever because, you know, 77,000 physicians came together and declared mental health in children a crisis right now. So this is this is a problem. So we need to get this out there. I want to address this idea. I want to hit this square on. And I'm just, I will say to my audience, I mean, no offense if this is part of your thinking, but I, I think we need to speak to it. And I hear over and over again, this sort of undertone in various versions of, well, we ate this way as a kid and we're fine because we are tired and we are busy and we were just talking about how we're running around to a million activities. And and so there was this normalization in terms of how we were as kids. And I think your story spoke to that beautifully. I'd love for you to speak to those parents and this idea of, well, we ate that way and we we were fine because I feel like it is a, I think there is an evolution off of that idea that we have the potential to address. I mean, I hear this all the time, right? We did that. We're fine. We're okay. But look at the statistics. Let's just look at the statistics. Chronic diseases have quadrupled amongst children since 1960s. In 1994, one in every eight children had a chronic health condition. And now it's 54% of American children are diagnosed with chronic health conditions. And these numbers are continuing to rise at an alarming rate where they're saying by 80% of American children specifically will have a diagnosed chronic health condition by 2025. Now that's craziness. You know, our kids are not just getting sicker, they're getting bigger. As childhood obesity continues to climb, where obesity rates have doubled in like more than 70 countries since 1980s and tripled in children, tripled. I mean, just within the last, like within the pandemic, you know, they reported that diabetes has even doubled in children. So unfortunately today, this is the first generation of kids that is suspected not to outlive their parents as kids are living shorter and sicker lives. And that's not just they're getting bigger, they're getting sicker, but what about their brains? 
They're just not making the right decisions. One in every six American children have at least one neurodevelopmental disorder like autism, ADHD, dyslexia, specific learning disorders, communication, sensory processing disorders. ADHD has increased more than 167%, right? But then you're like, oh no, you know, that's just more... We're just diagnosing it more. Yeah, we're just diagnosing it better. Let me just tell you, there's more EpiPens in each classroom than ever before, right? But the thing is, there's even, let's just look at suicide. If we're diagnosing it better, what's going on with suicide? Suicide risks have soared to 56% between 2007 and 2016. And now there's been actually a 20% increase rise of suicide. And that's despite a 400% increase rise in antidepressant prescriptions in the United States since the 1990s. And then the amount of children that are cutting themselves and hurting themselves, it is, I mean, that's not better diagnosis. Our kids are literally calling for help. Right now, in 2018, autism was one in every 36 children. And if they continue at the current trajectory, one in every four children will have autism by 2033. That's craziness. One in four? One in four will have autism by 2033 if we continue at the current trajectory. So yes, there is, we could continue on the current, what we've been doing and thinking that we did that. So why not just continue? But we have to look at the statistics that unfortunately our our children are not living the same lives as we are. Right. You know, I didn't have social media until I literally, I didn't have a phone until I was married. Like <laughs> for me, that was, I was even, but like our kids are not living those lives. Like, well, how many kids do you see with me and you? I mean, I used to play out doors all day long. How many kids do you see actually playing outdoors nowadays? Right. Unfortunately, this is not the same time as when we were growing up. I'm just going to throw in this thing for parents too, of this notion of we're okay. I don't actually think we are either. I mean, the the number of patients in my practice who high functioning, but like 30% of the women in my practice were on antidepressants to manage depression or anxiety. The incidence of autoimmune conditions are through the roof. This is solid science. Everyone I know has a thyroid condition, but we could easily pull the trajectory of, of incidents of Hashimoto's and, and, and thyroid data, and it would, it would corroborate my clear observation. We're not okay, and we are far from optimized. We've really moved this standard of health down to fine. And so what I really want to ask you is, as a physician, if the problem is as big as you are suggesting and the data suggests it is and can be. Why are people's doctors not talking to parents about this? We're not taught it, unfortunately. And if you just think about, you know, each one of us physicians, I mean, fortunately not I, but most of us have, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans on our backs. And then and now you're put in the system where the only way that you can make money is by how many patients you see and not how many patients you heal. So why would we want to try to fix that, fix you, if we're not going to, we need to see you to make money? My husband is a family physician here. He's a traditional family physician. And he has to see 110 patients a week for our paycheck not to go half. So in that paradigm, you know, you're only allowed to really spend 15 minutes per patient. And when you spend 15 minutes per patient, it's a band-aid, band-aid and seeing the next pay, next seeing the next person versus really trying to figure out their underlying root cause. 
We as physicians know that chronic inflammation is the underlying root cause of all these chronic health conditions, but because of the fact that we don't have the time and the energy to really dive into this, you know, if you have eczema, we give you an anti-inflammatory band-aid. You know, if you have allergies, we give you an anti-inflammatory band-aid. So really we, we just band-aid and get you out the door. And really, we not, nobody has ever really dove into teaching us why, you know, why is our child sick? Why are we sick? Why are, you know, what's going, why are we suffering? Why are our children suffering? When we start to understand the why, there lies the hope. Unfortunately, we as physicians were never taught that. But it is really that simple to really understand that why. To, so we can help put our bodies back into balance and lower that chronic inflammation that we as physicians know that is one of the underlying root causes, but that's really driving disease and our children's brains and bodies not working and our brain and body not working. But there is a simple solution, but that's why we're not, unfortunately, we're not taught. Well, I joke with my husband all the time because he's always like, put less salt on your food. And I say to him, he is a traditionally trained physician. I was like, literally, that was the only thing you learned. And so like, it is the universal, like his nutritional intervention. And I mean, he's really obsessed with the salt thing because he's like, it, like it all came down to how much salt you were putting on your food. So I want to come back to what you were, what you were saying is what you are sharing that children are inflamed right now or that they become inflamed adults or both? Both. because. Unfortunately, our children's brains and bodies have been hijacked. Let's take that apart for a second. When it comes to what your kid wears and what they choose to eat and the decisions that they make and how they feel is all dictated by their brain. So if your child is constantly making the wrong decision, they're inflamed and our parenting is a lot harder. And if your child is always making the right decision, they're healthier, energetic, and their brains are working properly. So those kids, guess what, are again easier to parent. And there's two main pieces of decision making, which is like called neuroeconomics. I love that term. I know, right? It's like the interdisciplinary field that seeks out to explain human decision making, you know? So, and the ability to process multiple alternatives and take a course of action, it's awesome. So pre the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. So the prefrontal cortex is the more developed part of the brain. And that's responsible for rational decision-making and examines the pros and the cons and examines our children's, they basically are able to look at the entire picture and then make a rational decision after weighing the risks versus the benefits. Well, the amygdala is a more reactive part of the brain, and that is responsible for your primitive, impulsive, fight and flight type of reaction and decisions. To make a thought-out rational decision and to form healthy habits, we need to have both of these pieces working together. But unfortunately, because our children's brains and bodies are completely out of balance, despite warnings of unhealthy, you know, you know, obesity and disease, our kids are eating more junk food than ever before, you know, limited diet variety, lack of sleep, lack of nature, lack of exercise and play, you know, negative social environments, then increased toxic exposure, basically all contributing to this imbalanced child and their imbalanced lifestyles. Unfortunately, that then leads to inflammation, right? And we know now that chronic inflammation actually hijacks your child's brain. Studies have shown that inflammation was found to decrease the strength between the connection between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala, and it leads to a heightened response when presented with anything threatening, impaired cognitive function. And, and so our children are unable to use the full brain to make a logical decision. 
So it leads to like us versus you mentality, poor social relationships. We have, you know, more anger, more violence. We are inflamed and then they are inflamed because of our imbalanced lifestyles. Percent. So I was just going to say, if anyone wants to see what this looks like in the real world, you just go to Twitter and you watch the conversations that are happening because it's, it is the ultimate manifestation of what you just spoke about. And, you know, I, I see that in my own kids and I, I will acknowledge that my kids, while not perfect, probably have access to better decisions simply based on our awareness and respective trainings. But, you know, I've been speaking to a few people about this lately, the sympathetic dominance and this, this agitation, this nervous system agitation I'm around kids a lot and I'm really, really noticing it. And I, and I think that it's not just age related. I was like, I can't relate to this. Like this wasn't, this wasn't something or a sensation I had in my body when I was growing up. And so, you know, on this idea of decision-making, sure, kids themselves have to make decisions, but you know, as, as parents who are presenting opportunities for decisions in front of our kids, can we talk about some of the good decisions? And similarly, Can we address some of the decisions and choices that are made available to children that are perhaps hijacking their success? When before we used to sort of wake up and, you know, get the sunshine and play outdoors and help our parents and then maybe, you know, so there's lots of things that we before were doing and incorporating into our daily routines that was just part of daily living. But unfortunately, because now it's the electronics and the negativity and the toxins and then the, now the increased variety of all this junk food that we're being presented to us. And because of the fact that, you know, we as parents are not unfortunately educated about that. I grew up sort of, sort of, so I sort of, I understand that where, you know, it's the next new shiny object. Oh my gosh. Right. And these commercials are you know, being flooded in front of our kids' eyes. And they're like, now I want to try this cereal. And now I want to try that. And I want to try this. And we are like, oh, yes, we want to make them happy. And so they want to go after that. So it's really about the decisions that they're making on a daily basis that we as parents, unfortunately, maybe we don't know enough of that we're allowing them to make those terrible decisions. But what... I want to try to, you know, empower parents with. And yes, this is a totally different world than we when we were growing up. And unfortunately, we as adults are also seeing the effects of that of that imbalanced lifestyle. So our kids are also seeing that. So just because we're doing it and we're presented with these, like we can be on the computer as soon as we get up. You know, as soon as you wake up, now you're everybody's checking their phone. You know, and these are decisions that we as parents are presented with on a daily basis, but we're making the wrong decisions. And that's where, just like what we teach our kids to brush our teeth in the morning, just like we teach them after they go to the bathroom, wash your hands. (laughs) These are simple things that we as parents teach our children. So now we have to provide them with better decisions and giving them a better, you know, choices that they can make to say, okay, you know what, these are the parts that you're going to incorporate into your daily routine, because I'm incorporating to them my daily routine. And I really call this like holistic parenting that can help nurture a child's mind, body, soul from the inside out. And so then you can give them the skills and the decisions that they need. So then they can make those appropriate decisions that they need for, you know, again, emotional intelligence, enduring deep friendships, making again, making the correct decision, managing stress and being able to be resilient all throughout adulthood, no matter what life decides to throw at them. 
So it's all about raising these mindful children. And mindfulness, again, allows us to see our internal and external environment clearly, showing how best to respond at multiple different levels of awareness and perceptions all at once. So it's all about educating and empowering the children to be mindful of their bodies, their you know, lives, their social lives, their in other environments, emotions, learning to keep it all in balance, and then recognizing you know, what you feel like when you're in balance. And then when it starts to sway a little bit, you're able to recognize it. And now guess what? You've provided these children with those skills that they need to make those decisions on their own and how to put their bodies back into balance. And thereby you increase the resilience in any situation and environment. So for example, you're absolutely right. Like just, it was just like what you said with your kids. My kids are so much easier to parent. And even when they're provided with those decisions that don't make sense to them because their free frontal cortex and their amygdalas are working appropriately and in together, because otherwise, you know, if they're living imbalanced lifestyles, you'd have more limbic system driven fight and flight type of decisions. But because I provided them with this, this petri dish of good balanced diet and stress management skills and, you know, lowering their toxins in their environment to the best of my ability, along with, you know, social sleep, stress management. So all of these things, they're able to make those better decisions when it's presented to them and able to recognize. So for example, it's so much fun when you're 10 year old, when you walk into your 10 year old and he's actually meditating on his own and you're like, why are you meditating? And he's like, oh, I just felt my nervous system was out of balance. So I wanted to put it back into balance. Or even like my seven-year-old who was eating sauerkraut for breakfast. And when I asked why, and he's like, when I woke up this morning, I felt a little agitated. And I knew that I wanted to keep my gut bugs happy. So I'm actually eating the sauerkraut to help to help my good bugs in my belly. So then I can help feel better. And so I was like, what? So you're giving these kids, you know, a tools that they can have because right now in the conventional medical setting that we as physicians were really taught is that you just come to us for answers. You really have no hope, but this is empowering that here before it even becomes a problem, we've now equipped our children just like, again, we've set other routines for them. We've now equipped them with these skills that they need to before things even become a problem, they're able to recognize it and fix it. And that thereby it gives the kids the power to change and not taking the freedom away from them. So really they're in charge of their health. Just giving kids the language to describe alternative ways of management or management in general, I feel like is a huge gift in terms of resource. And we, I mean, we understand that the influence of linguistics and, and language as it pertains to progress in societies, but the same thing happens within families when they have language to describe how they're feeling and different options to address it. It's actually extremely powerful. And as you were talking, one of the ideas that just sort of popped into my head is imagine the influence if we shifted language as parents from, I just want my kids to be happy to, Mm -hmm. I just want my kids to be healthy. Because if we just want our kids to be healthy, the happiness piece actually becomes a byproduct of a holistically healthy family and lifestyle, we don't have to provide happiness in the form of a cookie at Starbucks or a donut every time we we walk by that bake shop. Happiness actually becomes a byproduct of how we are living on a daily basis. Absolutely. And to recognize that, because right now I think that 
I want my children to be happy that happiness comes from the outside, that they're only happy if they have all of these other pieces, not recognizing that again, yes, happiness comes from the inside once you are focused on that health and you're actually empowering that child. So for me, technically, I don't really work on my kids being happy. <laughs> again, it's, it's, I, I do every day I do it. What can I do today? What can I incorporate into their daily routines that will make them as healthy as possible? And when they do that, you know, I'm not the type of parent that, you know, watches how their homework assignments are or what's going on at school. I mean, yeah, like we talk about it, but not like specifically their academics. Because when you actually take care of them, like take care of that Petri dish and their health, everything else comes back into place. Like the way that they make the decisions that they're making at school, their happiness, the way that they react to other people, everything really just falls into place. So yes, that's really powerful. Just focusing on that health dynamic and again, empowering our children. And then to that conversation that we're constantly having with them in my house, what we do is it's not like if you start getting eczema, it's not a bad thing. It's like, oh, what is my body trying to tell me? Yeah, same at our you house. Know? So even that conversation completely. Can you imagine if we, I mean, right now, the cancer and then all these chronic disease conversations are so volatile. Yes. That we got to fight it. It's bad. Your body's broken. We got to fix it. And the only way that we're going to fix it is like take the control out of from you. And we're going to give you could like shove all this toxins in you. And that's all you can do. That's odd. That's it, right? But then now you're shifting that conversation even at home. Let's say if you're feeling a little depressed or sad. Okay, why am I feeling sad? Oh, this is just my body talking to me. And so, oh, if, if I do have eczema, what's my body trying to say? Oh, where am I? Where out of my body am I imbalanced? So then this can go away. This, so it can like start be happy again. You know, so that in and of itself, even those conversations that we're having with our children are really empowering. And puts more of a positive connotation on ourselves and our bodies and how we love ourselves. And you're not scared of your body. You're not scared of it. You're not scared of menstrual periods and like a headache. It is a dashboard. My daughter does the same thing. She's like, oh, mommy, like that little patch of eczema is coming back. I've probably had too many eggs because we know for her eggs are, are the trigger. She's like, I have to make different choices for breakfast right now because my body is reminding me that I crossed the threshold. I didn't need to stick cortisone cream on it so she can carry on. She's like, I can make a different choice. And she's not, she loves eggs, like loves them, but she's like, now she understands what her relationship with eggs can look like. And eggs will become alcohol and eggs will become other things as she moves through her life. But she's starting to understand it in her own way right now. I think one of the most powerful thing about that is my children do the same thing. One of mine also has like sinus issues. And as soon as he has too much dairy or he has like, you know, whatever, again, eggs is one of his issues or nuts. He's eight years old and he's able to now recognize, oh, I'm going to just back off of this. And then I'm asking him like, so what do you want to do today? Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do this today. I'm gonna... So now they're in charge of their health and their bodies. I'm just watching unlike the sideline, which is so powerful. And so now they have like this positive relationship with their bodies. It's just so much fun to watch them grow. We need to give kids enough credit. Just like your daughter is doing it, my child is doing it. We need to give our kids enough credit that they can be in charge of their health. Oh, absolutely. And I just want like public service announcement here for anyone who's worried about (laughs) our children. 
they are all happy and not wanting out of the cage of deprivation because they will scale back on foods that have an inflammatory influence on their health. So anyone who's worried, oh gosh, could you imagine a life without eggs? I had this experience where I was diagnosed with celiac and I remember the gastroenterologist sitting across from me and she was like, Megan, I have to say, I'm a little bit hesitant to make the diagnosis. And I was like, well, like, what did the biopsy say? She's like, the biopsy is positive. But here's the thing. It's going to be very hard for you to navigate without gluten in the real world. And I said to her, I'm like, what is hard for me is eating gluten <laughs> in the real world. I don't feel, I don't feel deprived. I don't like feeling the way I feel in my body. So you are concerned about not being able to have gluten in your life, but don't worry. I'm okay. Like, don't hold back on giving me the information because it's actually the key for me to being empowered with respect to my health. And she was like, oh, okay, well then here, here it is. So not giving me the information doesn't actually make the problem go away. It festers behind the scenes. And you're miserable. Oh. And you're miserable, right? Yeah. And that's what I recognize that the kids, you know, specifically, they recognize when they feel amazing. You know, once you teach them, once you empower them, you know, with all of these in the, the information and guide them, they're able to make those decisions for themselves that will help them be their very best self and not live a miserable life. You know, yes, they can't have like the eggs for just a short time, but guess what? Now they're not going to have to deal with the scratching and itching and bleeding. They don't have to deal with it. They self-regulate. It's really powerful. And so, you know, on this idea of like, is it us or is it them? For kids to have access to these choices, it really starts with us as parents, one placing a level of importance on these pieces. Is it possible for us to empower our kids with respect to these choices and give them access to these things if we haven't walked that journey ourselves? How do we address that? It's a little bit harder, but you know what? I did it in my own you know, life. And that's when I started Holistic Mom MD is because as soon as I started learning something, and now I'm very thankful that they're the resources and the products are all available at our fingertips, you know, with all the amazing work that you're doing and so many other functional medicine practitioners around the world are doing. So the research now is there. The information is more, you know, available at our fingertips. So it's really important just as soon as you're trying to learn this, start to incorporate it into your children and to recognize that, you know, for me, whenever I just changed out an ingredient or just changed out, like, let's say, you know, we would just do brownies and pastas and things like that. I just switched it out for, to a healthier option. And then the, I told the kids why. So we need to show the kids that, remember, this nutrient regulates every single chemical reaction in your body. And studies have shown that, you know, when you eat a rainbow packed with color and fiber and nutrients and minerals and good fats, guess what? You'll have healthier brains and improve your behavior and bodies and you'll be less violent. So the kids understand this. The kids understand that there's these good bugs in our belly, right? And these good friends in our belly are constantly and our brain are constantly talking to each other. And it's always constant. And then, you know, we know our immune system lies there. So if we want to feel healthy and happy, we have to keep our bugs and our friends and our bellies happy. And so those are the kinds of conversations I'm constantly having with the child. But the thing is, I only started doing that once I was starting to implement, when I started learning about it myself 
And then starting to have those conversations because it's really difficult, obviously, when you're telling your kid to eat broccoli and you're eating junk in this background because the kids don't do as we say they do as we do. <laughs> no. Sure. It, it gives them permission for everything that they want to choose in their own lives. Absolutely. So it doesn't have to be like this massive change overnight because to recognize that, you know, the more that you love the bond, you spend time with their, your nurture, your care, your feed the focus on gratitude, meditation, prayer, breathing, all of these different aspects that are really involved, good sleep, real foods, all everything that you do as a parent stimulates your child's brain. It increases the neuroglial cells, increasing the pathways, areas of the brain, optimize digestive function, strengthen the mitochondria, optimize, you know, gut bacteria, lower stress and overall inflammation. So we can have a healthier, you know, child because when a child feels better, they do better. So if we can start to just start with just one thing today. And in my house what I try to do is I focus on if you know, if let's say a parent is not the food thing is too much, everything else is too much, but we what you can do is focus on gratitude and positivity. So immediately when you wake up in the morning, say 10 things that you're thankful for every day. And that I find is one of the most powerful things as a family physician that I was found to, to really strengthen the connection between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala. Because right now our kids are working, growing up in a world of negativity. But science has proven that gratitude and optimism strengthen the connections between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. So improving overall health and well-being. Let's say you're a parent that's listening to this right now and he hasn't been doing anything. Yes, we have those resources. As soon as you start learning about it, start implementing it into your daily routine. But let's say you can't even, that's, that's too much to try to learn, right? But start today with positivity and gratitude. Immediately when you wake up in the morning, say 10 things that you're thankful for to start change that subconscious from instead of thinking negative all the time to thinking positive. And that is probably one of the most powerful pieces that you can do today for your children, no matter where you are in your journey. I love that. And what a beautiful place to transition the nature of our conversation. So I have, I have these concepts and I love to say they're rapid fire questions. And then every time I ask them now, I realize they're not that rapid, but the spirit and energy of it is rapid. Um, and I call these impact metrics. And so, you know, my first question for you is we've had a fascinating two years that we have all moved through together, but have had different experiences associated with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. What has been one of the biggest lessons that has emerged for you through that time period? You know, all of these things that we were putting, like, you know, just the go, 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 go mentality, <laughs> that really ever mattered at the end, right? It's all about that love and connection and educating and empowering yourselves and your families that really did the most for all of us as a family unit. During this pandemic time, I wrote five books. I only five, only five. You know, we started a podcast together, the Holistic Kid Show podcast. Oh, I love so that. We started. I mean, a lot of the children. We actually started writing children's books. Like we did an entire children's book series, like which we're continuing to do now. But I recognized that you know before this, I was doing all of that on my own. And so during this pandemic, what I learned is that I turned that you know, my mission into our mission. And we sort of started doing this, you know, just like bonding over all of these activities together. And I found that that has probably made the most impact in my life just by that bonding and that connection and, 
And then when they're learning something, I'm learning something. And I just love that extra time together and the gratitude and the positivity. Shut the, we had to shut the TVs off. <laughs> yeah, you have right? to shut the TV you have off. To shut the TVs <laughs> off and the news off <laughs> and cut that out. <laughs> we really connect. Yeah. Yeah. So that was what yeah, I, I mean, that is, that is such a hack for families. Just turn off the TV for you and your kids. Just take a week off. Yeah, absolutely. And to re- recognize that those conversations that we're having with our child, mm-hmm. with our children or with our families, that every hug, the foods that we're putting in their bodies, their sleep, their stress, their social, their spiritual health has the power to mold them for the better. That actually then once things started to open up, <laughs> it was actually easier on me then because their brains and their bodies were working optimally. So actually, I felt like this pandemic time was for a time for us to reset and connect. How would you define your purpose? This is my purpose. Looking out into the world right now, you can actually, your perspective can either be your pain or your power. And I feel like if we look out into the world today, you know, it's, it can, it's really sad sometimes and all the statistics that we discussed, but my purpose on this planet, I know, is to bring hope back to the world and to change our perspective from our pain to more power. That there's so much that we as parents, as caregivers, as teachers, as uh, physicians, as practitioners can do to change the trajectory of our lives, to train, change the trajectory of our children's lives and give them hope And it's just simple things that we can incorporate into our everyday daily routine. Because can you imagine where, I mean, right now the world is still doing, we're doing pretty good. Otherwise, you know, even though we're sick, we're still still pretty doing okay. But can you imagine where the world will be able to accomplish and what our children will be able to accomplish if they were feeling better, if they had the energy to change our food system, to change the economy? to help create change, even world peace, if we were able to give them these tools of power. But it really all starts in the mind and our intent, you know, in our perspective. So really, my purpose on this planet is to give hope back to the world and even to the families, just everyday families that are dealing with the craziness that I deal with on a daily basis. But, <laughs> but if we can, but I, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It's so powerful. So that's my purpose on this world is to really create that change and to give that power back to the people. And last question for you, because I now realize I need to rework this whole thing because nothing about this is rapid. Entrepreneurship, are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? (laughs) We definitely learn to become, I feel like (laughs) some people learn because I know I was not and I've had to learn to become this to spread the message to the next level. You know, this was not something that I was born with. For me specifically, nobody in my family was an entrepreneur. And we were all physicians. (laughs) We're also all physicians. So for me to take this message to the world, I had to learn it. But I know there are some people that are born into it. But for me specifically, I had to learn it to really get this message to the world. Well, you are a shining star of what can happen when you learn to embrace those entrepreneurial skills. Dr. Medea Seed, where can we send people 
to follow along on the new podcast, your 5,000 books, which are all amazing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> like all of your books, all of your resources, you are just such a voice for a reason and such a strong advocate for children. And I want to make sure everyone has access oh to you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm so incredibly honored. So on Holistic Mom MD, the, we also actually started a Holistic Urdu MD channel with my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. for, the, for, for the other side of the world. Do you sleep? No, so no, I do. <laughs> yes. yes. We started a children's book series called Adam's Healing Adventures. And then we have the parenting book here. And then the other one is the whole, the first one that I ever wrote was the Holistic Rx, Your Guide to Healing Chronic Inflammation and Disease. So all of these can be found on Amazon. And then I'm also writing a couple books for the Muslim world. So those are the other two books and I'm working on my seventh now. So yeah, so you guys can keep in touch with all the things that I'm doing on, on Holistic Mom MD. I was going to say, and you can expect these seven new <laughs> books available on shelves next week. You are a force in the most powerful, beautiful way. We're going to make sure that everyone is hooked up with access to Dr. Saeed through our show notes. You can find those at meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. My friend, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much. I'm so incredibly honored. Thank you for all the work you do. Wasn't she amazing? So much to be said on the topic of children's brains and children's health. And what an incredible resource for us all to have access to. I'm super excited to check out the Holistic Kids podcast. It's hosted by her children. She's got some incredible experts on there making health really accessible for our kids. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to help share the love. Hit forward and share the conversation with any of your fellow parents who share that interest and that compassion for giving kids healthy choices. And if you feel inclined, it is so helpful if you are able to share a review wherever you happened to catch this episode. Until next week, I'm Megan Walker, and I'm wishing you an impactful week ahead.